It's wonderful to be in church and uh, just lovely to hear so much encouragement and reminding of how awesome it is, how amazing it is uh, to know Christ and to be in fellowship with Him. So we're going to uh, continue our series on Galatians. So if you've got your Bibles there, you can turn to them. If there was a title for this message, I would like to call it freedom. Freedom is a subjective word. And there was a great quote by a fellow called Benjamin Franklin. He said, those who desire to give up freedom in order to gain security will not have, nor do they deserve either one. So as part of this series, we have been working through this amazing letter and it has been, I would argue, predominantly defensive in nature up until this point. Up until this point. It's been defending grace and grace alone. It's been defending Christ and what He did and that's all that we need. But now Paul shifts from defence to maybe offence, from defending justification into sanctification, to, to talking about how we were subject to sinful desires, but now we're subject, we have a choice to spirit desires. From defending grace to fruitfulness, you might even call that faithfulness. Paul shifts in this particular part of the letter. It's almost like the entire letter has been working towards this point. Paul has defended the foundation of Christ alone and now, because of Christ, we can. Now, because of Christ, we get to. I want you to really appreciate that God is interested in what you do with your freedom. Now, we know this to be true because we are interested in what each other does with our freedom. True? The person who you're sitting next to, what they do with their freedom can impact us. How my wife and my children use their freedom impacts me. Sometimes I'm not happy. But at the same time, how I act, how I how I respond, my choices with my freedom impact my wife and my children. Maybe you could say in a workplace, what you do with your freedom impacts those around about you. Maybe you could say in a church, what we do with our freedom has impact upon those sitting in front of us and behind us. So Paul has been very clear, Paul has laboured the defence of the cross and Christ alone. He has, he has used several arguments, but really it's heading towards this point. Now, what do we do? Now that I'm saved, now that I'm, I know what it's like to be in Christ, now I get to. So we're going to look at uh, verses 13 to 26, and this is number 10 out of 12 for our series on Galatians. 
It's really great to be able to work through a book of the Bible and just unpack it and explore it again. So, series is due to end on the 20th of October. Who's happy with that? <laughs> Most people go, you know, after three months, it's time to change. I reckon God has seasons for a reason. So, let's look at this passage of Scripture. Uh, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. I just want to pause there. Paul is not having a go. Paul is not casting these people aside. Paul is not putting them in another category of useless and lost so-called Christians. Paul uses this phrase, brothers and sisters. Paul is reminding them of something we've already heard come through this morning, their identity. They are brothers and sisters to Paul. That's beautiful. That's important. We are also brothers and sisters to one another. So, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And if you're taking notes, you can just note Romans 8 there. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfful ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Heavenly Father, I pray that, Lord, we would hear your word this morning and that we would be open, that we would have a soft heart, that we would know the leading of your Spirit in us and that with our freedom purchased for us by Christ, that we would be led by you, that we would follow you. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Paul uh, is speaking about a, a movement of sorts. Jesus did something amazing for us. He, 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 he changed us. And that the gospel freedom that we can now have allows us to now have a choice. We can live by the Spirit. It's a movement. Jesus is the foundation and we are the living stones. We are the living stones. And so we have uh, known Christ's forgiveness and we have known what it means to believe and trust in Him. But the question is, what do we do with it? So up until this point, it's not that defence no longer matters. No, defence really does matter. Because who knows that sometimes we just, we just make mistakes. We just get it wrong. We need forgiveness. We need to come to Christ and come before Him and ask and seek His forgiveness. The Gospel presents us with a choice now, though. You see, once upon a time, there was no other option but our sinful nature. But now Paul's saying, don't use your freedom. That is a very profound statement. Jesus has, has actually given us freedom to choose. That, that is incredible. Jesus gave his life so that we can be free again to choose. What does a sinful nature look like? Well, all these amazing words, some more exciting than others. But it's important to realise that these issues... They can be very, very public, we all know, but they can also be very, very private. We think no one knows. They can seem really small. You know, I, I do struggle with envy every now and again. Like, I look at Andrew Jenkins, a hunk of a guy. I mean, when he puts on a pair of shorts, he, he can wear them with like a t-shirt, he looks like, when I put on a pair of shorts, I buy the three-quarter ones that almost go all the way to the bottom. And my legs are so white. I have a little bit of envy. I think it's only small. But the Scripture here doesn't delineate between small or big, does it? It doesn't say, uh, you know, okay, Ben, a little bit of envy, that's okay. Isn't it amazing how we justify small in the areas of these matters on, on the screen? Sometimes we can, we can decide for ourselves, yeah, that, that's okay, that's acceptable. 
we can, we can become the judge. We can add to Christ in that way and say, yeah, some of these things are okay. Some really seem in, insignificant without consequences. Some seem almost like, I can get away with that. I can get away with that. But in this defence, it's not just about not choosing these things. Paul writes, very importantly, that the choice of Christ in choosing to be led by the Holy Spirit, in a sense, means that there is less or no opportunity to fall into these other traps. The Word says, so let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Who knows that if you're busy doing good, it's a little bit harder to not do good. Who knows that if you're, if you're actively following after Christ and, and, and you're doing these things, you're being led by the Spirit, it's, it's so much harder to fall into the trap of the sinful nature. So for Paul, the defense to the sinful nature, for Paul, it's, it's, it's actually an offense. It's actually to choose life. It's actually to choose to be led by the Spirit. Um, if you're reading, you can look at 2 Corinthians 10 and that'll really unpack that even further for you. When I think about sport and, and try and think of an analogy, not that there was a grand final on yesterday or anything, but I think of, of this idea that Paul's sharing is, is less worrying about the opposition, just more focused on kicking goals. Just more focused on, on following Christ and not worrying about those things of the sinful nature. You see, something of what was said this morning, when we focus on the sinful nature, it, it can become overwhelming, like we are worthless, we are hopeless, there is no escape for me, there's no way out for me, I can't see through this. But when we move our focus from the sinful nature to being led by the Spirit, yes, the defense game is always there for us, we can ask for forgiveness. But yet when we focus on the leading of the Spirit, then all of a sudden, those issues of a sinful nature become less. So what are the implications of this verse? What, how, how, does those, how does this passage apply to us? Well, I think it's an incredible, an incredible importance and weight given to us in relation to free will. Now, I, I did prepare a, like a three, four Sunday series on free will. I got a bit carried away with that. Um, I really parked that all to one side because that was just a huge distraction. It was a lot of fun, but I promise you we will not go into that aspect today. Freedom can really damage, can't it? Your free choices can really hurt, but gee, they can do a lot of good too. They can bring a lot of good things or they can do the opposite, a lot of hurtful things. You see, I think Christianity, from according to this passage now, because of what Christ has done, Christianity is all about offense, is all about going out, is, is all about expectation and, and hope. Because of Jesus, I now have this inheritance, I now care what the Lord cares about, so now I'm looking outwards. 
Now I'm moving forward and moving ahead. My life is less about me and more about Jesus. We should be learning something new every day about Christ. We should be coming into some new understanding or some revelation or some awareness of His love for me every day. I listened to a relationship guru about three weeks ago. And this relationship guru talking about marriage relationships and and then expanded it out to any relationship, they said the number one cause why, why marriages or friendships bust up, in their opinion, was that one or both parties gave up discovering something new about the other. They decided that they knew the other person well enough that they just were no longer making the effort to know them more. Isn't that interesting? You, you, you are so comfortable in your relationship that you, you just kind of parked it on the shelf and that was it. There was nothing more you could possibly grow. You, you had worked them out. There was, nothing, there was no more mystery to understand. There was no more unknown. There was nothing to really do with one another anymore. I found that fascinating because isn't that what it's like with Jesus don't we reach a point in our Christian maturity where we just go you know what I've heard this message on the fruit of the spirit a hundred times I think in the kids club rotation it comes up every two years in Sunday school it's a classic I mean everyone loves the fruit of the spirit put your hand up if you've never heard the fruit of the spirit message if you've never heard it, okay, everyone else can go, except those who put their hand up. We're all here because, isn't it that we want to we want to hear something new and learn something afresh and, and grow in our understanding of, of Jesus and know what it means for the Holy Spirit to lead us again and again and again? In other words, there's something for us to do with our freedom. There's something for us to, with our freedom, discover anew about God. But if we refuse to do that, in economic terms, we've kind of commodified a person, or we've commodified our Saviour. Jesus is just a commodity that I reach to when I need Him. That might work in defence, that might work when we need forgiveness and when we need help. But that's not how we're supposed to live, is it? How we're supposed to live is being led by the Spirit, is being led by Him. C.S. Lewis said, free will, though it makes evil possible, is the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. What do you do with your freedom? Now, I believe this is embedded in the Scripture from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that God um, brought the animals to the man to see what he would call them. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. From the earliest passages of the Bible, God is interested in seeing what we will do with our freedom. How awesome is that? What will Adam call that? What will Adam call... That God is interested, God desires to know. God is interested in you and what you do with your freedom. God is interested in what you do with your time. God is interested in what you do with your life. He is looking lovingly. He is looking as a loving father would, watching you, with you in that moment. 
This is all through the scripture. It's also in our life. This is an early picture of the show when my kids were a lot younger and they are on one of those little kiddie rides and, and they are, Josh is half scared, half happy and is just all happy. Uh, this next photo was also at the Royal Show. Um, we wanted them to take a photo. We said, look at us and the only one looking at us was Mia. Josh was looking at something else, absolutely bedazzled. And Anna was busy looking at something else too. I love that photo because I'm, I'm trying to understand what are they doing? What are they looking at? The previous photo on the ride, what are they feeling? What are they experiencing? What's happening? And this picture here was, uh, Mia was uh, at a, what we called a teen youth group, which was a pre-youth group, and they were doing painting. And I was absolutely, completely lost on anything else that was happening. I just wanted to see what Mia would paint. I just wanted to see how she would do it. I wanted to see what colours she would choose. I'm not an artist, you know that. You know, the closest I get to art is making sure the four communion trays are equally spaced. I'm not an artist, but I wanted to see what she would do with the paint. I really wanted to see, and I've got a nice photo of what she did with it, but I couldn't find it for this message, so... This is all through the Scripture, this, this free choice. In Psalm 119, I'm talking about someone who's chosen the faithful way. I've placed your ordinances before me. Deuteronomy talks about choosing life so that you may live, you and your descendants. In other words, my life and my choices impact other people around about me. Joshua 24 says, Choose yourself this day who you will serve. Thank you, John Foley. Proverbs 13 says, Who walks with the wise will become wise. Who do you walk with? Colossians 3 talks about whatever you do, whatever you do with your freedom, don't do it for the pastor, don't do it for your parents, do it for God. Whatever you do, whatever you do. Matthew 6 reminds us that we can't serve two masters. We, we, with our freedom, we can't choose and, and try and step across. We, we can't sort of try and love both. We have to choose. Mark A talks about Jesus choosing, that if we are really going to follow Him, we're going to have to give up our way. We're going to have to take up our cross. And, and this, this, this shows you the heart of our Heavenly Father and of our Lord Jesus. It shows you that in Luke 13, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. You see, God didn't give up. He just kept sending people. He kept sending love. He kept seeking to engage. But as the scripture says, you know what? How often... Were those people stoned? How often did we respond the wrong way? God values our freedom. Isn't that amazing? It just amazes me. And Jesus saying, not my will, but your will. Jesus had to make a choice. The two sons, probably one of my favorite parables of all time. What I love about this parable is, is that they knew that they were sons of the owner. 
They, they had both experienced grace when the younger son returned from a faraway land and the older son being invited in. I don't have time to divert to that parable. They, 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 both, they both, to some degree, expressed some sort of faith. But what the parable beautifully does for us is it doesn't say what happens next. What did they do with their freedom? What did the younger son do after the big barbecue was done? What did the older son do? Did he go in and and eat at the table? We just don't know. It's almost like this idea that Jesus has done everything and prepared everything and, and that was the first act that allows the second act and now what do we do with this freedom that we have? What do we do? The parable leaves it open. It's almost a picture of us. Whether you're a younger son or an older son, what do you do with gospel freedom? Verse 6 says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love, is verse 13. Verse 16 says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You see, the Christian life does not sit back. If you ever need a passage of Scripture to help you get moving, this is it. The Christian life is proactive. Proactive. But the Spirit produces this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. I'm just going to ask these two very handsome young men down the front here. I mean, they've got to be two of the most good-looking young guys, intelligent, smart. One's available, one isn't. Thanks, guys. You're going to receive just a little... A little I might just keep one, actually. Sorry. Thanks, please. Just going to receive a little handout that has two sides to it, representing the choice that we have to make from this passage. You see, I believe that because of gospel freedom, because of what Jesus has done... There are just some things that happen to us that we have to react to. But then there are other things that we can choose to do. Who knows that sometimes a car crash happens to you? What do you do in that situation? What do you do in that moment? When something happens to you, how do you react? The other aspect is when you're thinking after Sunday has gone and Monday arrives, when it's your turn to act... When Monday morning hits, is your prayer, Lord, what are we going to do this week? What are we going to do this week? How do we spend our time and spend our monies? What, what have been my sacrifices this week? What have, I, what have I given up? When it means to take up my cross, what does that actually mean for me practically this week? What does that mean? Or have I forgotten that bit of the gospel? Are our passions about what God is passionate about? Or if we were to examine our life, if a historian was to pick your life apart, they would say, yes, that person was passionate about that, that, that. But I can't... Yeah, they, they, they went to church. They, they were Christian. But I can't really see. You see, it's hard to know what should the Christian life look like. We're very scared to judge, aren't we? We don't want to judge. Do you all agree with that? 
I don't want to sit here pointing the finger, saying, yeah, Murray's a top guy. Nev, well, you know, he's work in progress. <laughs> Christian, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Arnie Moore, she needs a little bit more baking practice. <laughs> I mean, that's just fruit. Where, where is the fruit in that? Where, where is the goodness in that? Yet, interestingly enough, we do have some fruit to measure what we do by, do we not? Do we not? You see, both in how we respond to things that happen to us. So how do we react to trouble in our life? How does our gospel freedom affect what we do when things happen to us? But at the same time, how does the gospel freedom affect us from a place of strength when we're choosing what to do? When, when, we, are, when we, in a sense, have control and we can choose, both cause us to question, what does gospel freedom mean in both of those situations? Well, I want to propose to you today that, that there's one of two choices. This is where the passage of Scripture is gone in Galatians. It's either this side or it's this side. Jesus showed us the fruits of the Spirit from the cross. Now, if there was any place, if there was any place where you were going to not show the fruit of the Spirit, it would be the cross. But the entire life of Christ, including His death, shows us that at every moment, Jesus chose this side. Jesus chose this side. Jesus chose this side, even death upon a cross. You see, God so loved the world. Hebrews reminds us that it was for joy that Jesus endured the cross. Jesus said in John that, I have come to give you peace, take my peace. And it was always after the resurrection that Jesus said, peace be with you. Jesus endured the cross with patience. He, he, he took the worst that could have come upon him and he endured a painful death. Paul said in Timothy that, look, I am an example of the patience of Christ. I was the worst of the worst, but the patience that Jesus showed me, I mean, that's evidence enough. I was killing Christians, yet Jesus was patient with me. And in Luke, we exhibit this patience, even as Jesus prays for those who are killing him. Jesus showed kindness, that even as one of his disciples knocked the ear off of the, of the servant, Jesus healed that man. I mean, the moment just before torture would begin, just before a spiral of events would take place, that just the worst, worst possible experience, Jesus showed kindness. Jesus showed goodness. His, his entire life was about doing good for others. There was, there was not a moment where he was thinking of himself. His life was goodness. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. His life was faithful. He was faithful to the task that he was given. He was faithful to what was asked of him. He was, he was reliable. In his moment of, of, I can choose this way or this way, he kept choosing the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit, even when he went into the desert for temptation. 
Jesus was led by the Spirit the entire way. His gentleness. Jesus came into Jerusalem on a donkey. That didn't mean he was weak. He just didn't need a horse. The donkey was everything that Jesus wanted to say. He needed nothing else. Jesus in his gentleness came into our lives. And self-control... Jesus reminds Peter in Matthew 26 that, Peter, at any time, I could call down legions and legions of angels and come and deal with this, but it's not going to happen. Jesus showed self-control at every stage of his life. What do you do with your gospel freedom? Can I just ask you to look at this? In every thought and in every attitude, it either is this side or it's not. It's either the fruits of the Spirit, or it's something of the sinful nature. Every thought, every choice, every moment of your life, what you do with your time, every thought is either these things here, or it's the other side. And what Paul is, I can almost picture him on his knees, begging these people, is is choose this one. Because when you focus on these ones, You don't even worry about the other side. See, I don't know about you, but when I put a piece of paper down, I I can't even see through it anymore. When I stick it up on the wall, I I can't see past it. When I'm so focused on these things, I can't even see the other side anymore. That, That is the victorious Christian life. That is the Christian life on offense. That is the Christian life that has taken up its cross and has chosen to follow Jesus in every circumstance, in every moment, in every thought, let us take everything that we think captive to Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning, Lord, I thank you that we have just been able to be reminded, Lord, of how good you are. Lord, that we have been in your presence and, Lord, been encouraged Lord, because of your work on the cross, because it's Christ and Christ alone, now we can be led by the Spirit. Father, I pray that this week we would proactively choose that every thought we have, every moment of of self-pity and of doubt and of worry and of anxiety, every moment where we second-guess, every moment where we decide that it's more about me, that, Lord, we would just come to you and be reminded of what you have done. That, Lord, we would give up those thoughts and that, Lord, we would instead be led by the Spirit. Lord, against the fruit of the Spirit, there is no law. Help us, Lord, to measure and know what we do in our life. Lord, is aligned with you. Thank you for giving us freedom. But Lord, we are so much more grateful for the gospel freedom that we have to choose life. In Jesus' name, amen.